Welcome to Wild and Weird Radio, a Wild and Weird West Virginia podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joe, and I'm joined by Ron and Wayne. And tonight, we're going down another kind of similar to last week's story arc. But this time, we're covering a different kind of abduction. This time, we're talking about abductions by Sasquatch. So hang on to your seats, guys. This is going to get wild and weird. So what's going on, everybody? Not too much on this end. Uh, Just getting some stuff done today and, you know, enjoying the warm weather finally at last. Uh, Yeah, it really has warmed up here, thankfully. Fantastic. Uh, I was kind of enjoying the the cool spring we've been having, personally. But uh, it it has been nice to um, kind of get a little warmer because now a lot of our berries are starting to pop in the research area, <laughs> and uh, getting kind of excited because we're seeing some activity up I along just, the ridge lines. I just want to see the sun, and I'm good. Ah, sun hurts my eyes. Well, I'm doing good, too. I mean, I'm enjoying the weather. It's hot as Hades here. But that's yeah, why I'm smoking gonna, a good getting, cigar and drinking bourbon. And we're sending your gifts weather out. here, I think, in the next two days. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Oh, and it's it's it starts out really nice, and then it starts to get warm as the day progresses. And, I mean, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Not looking forward to that. Hmm. But... That's summer, so... I like summer. Is what it is. I like warm. Find yourself your favorite adult beverage and sit back and relax. So this week we're, uh, we're talking about another type of abduction, one that might be even more bizarre, you could say, than uh, an alien abduction, um, because typically this one involves you disappearing and never showing back up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know which one would be more frightening to be abducted by honestly really i mean yeah i don't i don't really know i mean um that's pretty you 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 disappear but not all people have disappeared and not come back that's true there have been a few like albert otzman and and mark hoover and uh that the other guy um (laughs) that we're going to talk about tonight i can't remember his name but that's okay We'll get there. It's in the notes. But so <laughs> you you really don't. I mean, it should be a no brainer, Wayne. I mean, one brings you back, and the other one just kind of vanishes you or eats you. I mean, I don't know. It's just just seems well, like a no brainer I mean, to me. Ne- neither are on my list of things to do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, what's what's your? I, it's still. I'd rather be taken by one of those than say, like you know. Dahmer or Bundy. I mean, well, okay, yes, choice. of course, yes. Yeah, see, it's I mean, all how you the perspective yes. of that. <laughs> I, I I suppose. I was <laughs> <laughs> just saying, do you want to be made into a sandwich, or you just want to disappear forever? But uh, yeah, well, wow. I mean, technically, you don't know if the Bigfoot's going to turn you into a sandwich or not. You, I mean, this I has, don't know how they. This has suddenly become very dark and nightmarish just in a matter of minutes. And we're not even into the first, you know, five minutes of the show. Sorry, Ron, it well, might be the bourbon. 
Could we be. can get really dark real quick because we're going to start off with the Native American side of these stories, okay. which were very prevalent, especially among the Pacific Northwest tribes and uh, Northern Canada tribes, because they told stories of these Sasquatch creatures coming in and taking tribes members and A, trying to breed with them or just taking them to eat them later you see know? the way that's not a good thing no either way you're talking about a bad time yeah i mean unless you're into whatever the bigfoot's gonna do to you but like yeah it's just gonna be a bad day all around and these were stories that weren't just like around the campfire stories you know they were being told not necessarily all as boogeyman stories because you know the zunaqua was was a story that was, you know, told to, to kind of keep kids in line because mm-hmm. they were told that if they got out of line or they were they were being ornery and whatnot, that this wild woman of the woods was going to come and snatch them out of their window and shove them down in her backpack that was made out of like uh, a woven cedar cedar uh, wood basket and just take them off into the woods and wait eat now, them. isn't that Krampus? It's very similar to Krampus, and we even addressed that during the Krampus yeah. episode. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they don't beat you. They just snatch yeah. you. <laughs> Maybe. Right. And, and you don't have an audience of Santa Claus watching. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's, But it's similar in the sense that you know they used it as kind of a way to keep their kids in line. But there's other stories where, you know, especially women uh, who had red hair well, what's, were, what's were like prime targets to be taken. What's cool with the Zunaqua is that I always, when I first heard the story, um, before I really started delving into more of that, you know, research a long time back, I just assumed, and it's probably just normal, that like most people do, that Bigfoot is a male or that thing is a male, you know, that creature. But the Zunaqua was a female. And... For some reason, I never even thought about that. Even after I, you know, knew Patty and all that, mm-hmm. I never realized that that a lot of these stories like that are female. Yeah, I think a lot of people just automatically think Bigfoot is a male. It's a masculine mm-hmm. type thing because of the the big muscles, you know. But but yeah, like you're saying, uh, Patty was not a male. Not in a slightest. Exactly. So, you know, you had all of these uh, ancient stories, and they stretch all the way down into, you know, Central and South America with the Setica, where they would steal women and children and food. Or And this was a very common, uh, I guess, behavior, you would say, that was being described all over the North America and Central America. Um, you didn't not not so much of it down like in the South America, but mostly it was contained in the Central America and northern North America. So all of those tribes, they either had stories where they were trading or were like elder brother, some would call them. Or you had this completely different story where they were stealing their women, stealing, and this is how they were de- were described too. You know, there was an emphasis on on the word "steal" to be taken away. Um, they weren't like 
sacrificed per se, or they weren't out, you know, normally hiking around in the woods, minding their business and disappeared. A lot of these abductions were said to have taken place in the little nomadic area that the tribes were settled in at the time. So this was a common trend that goes kind of similar along to the alien abduction thing, because we have ancient alien abduction stories as well as modern. Yeah. So it's something that we see this commonality there. So it kind of works with last week's episode, I think. Well, now, you know, I mean, if you, if you think about it, like we had said earlier, um, the only difference would be, I guess, would be uh, it's the same modus, right? I mean, you have the, essentially the same story there, except for in this case, it's uh, like we said before, it's a little darker. So, you know, could there be a link? Maybe. Well, well wait a minute. Some of them may want to be cannibals, you know, like certain certain stories. Yeah. But. You know, some of them may just want to take you and they're curious and they play with you till you break. That's a good uh, analogy. I you think, know, maybe probably. they don't mean yeah. to hurt you, but with their yeah. power, their strength, yeah. their, you know, I mean, you know, as humans, we're, we're pretty fragile creatures. Oh, yeah. Terribly Compared fragile. Compared to a, you know, thousand pound, you know, eight foot tall creature. Yeah. <laughs> that I can agree. pull trees out of the ground. Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, now, on the other side of the spectrum of that, you know, before we move off of some of the native lore and move into uh, the the Albert Osman story, there was a Squamish elder who said that uh, her grandmother, when she was a small girl, uh, that wild men would enter into their village on a regular basis and steal fish and food and stuff like that from uh, from their storehouse. But one night, her family caught one, a young one, basically, and they kept him and raised him up, and he would go out hunting with them, and, you know, he would come back with deer, uh, with uh, or, or even two, and dragging them, and both of their necks would be broken, and eventually they wound up letting the this wild man in their, in their tongue go, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you might want to, because... <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, you know, they start getting a little big at some point, I would imagine. Yeah. So, so they let him go and do his thing, but there wasn't this bad blood between them. Apparently, every so often, you know, they would go out and on the edge of the property, they'd find a deer with its neck broken that was just like laying there, like he just left it there. And she said that after that, they never had any issues with wild men coming back to rob them. But it was almost like this trade-off relationship, kind of like the one that went back said, Hey, you know, they weren't like total jerks. Um, you know, they didn't kill me. They didn't hurt me. Um, I lived in harmony with them. So let's kind of keep this trend going. So that way we don't wind up hurting each other kind of scenarios. What it kind of seems like, at least, you know, you can interpret it that way a little bit. And, uh, you know, so they never had any issues with him coming back to to rob from them or take food from them, and they had this kind of a trade relationship after that. Now, with uh, moving moving kind of forward from there is the Albert Otzman story, and Wayne, I know you know a lot about this one, so well, if you want to run with it, go for it. Yeah, Albert Otzman was a uh, Canadian prospector. Um, and I think he was born around like 1892 or three. Um, 
But one evening in 24, um, he was camping in British Columbia and he was sleeping. He'd been out there for, you know, a bit and he's sleeping in his camp. Um, and apparently for like two or three nights before that, there'd been signs of something that was, I guess, around the camp or visiting while he was asleep. And so he decided to, he was going to stay awake and try to catch what it was. Um, had no clue what it was. And about that time, a Sasquatch in the middle of the night picked him up and carried him off while he's in his sleeping bag and he's awake. So I know it carried him for, in his words, you know, roughly two to three hours after which they put him down. Um, and there was basically a, hey, we're the Sasquatch family, a family of like four Sasquatch. So, and he said, I think the adult male was close to eight foot tall. And uh, I've got uh, actually his words right here in front of me. So he said this of his initial encounter. They look like a family, old man, old lady, and two young ones, a boy and a girl. The boy and the girl seemed to be scared of me. The old lady did not seem too pleased about what the old man had dragged home. How many people have heard that? (laughs) (laughs) But the old man was waving his arms and telling them all what he had in mind. And then they all left. Um, So he had a gun on him. And he kept it pretty close. Um, But since they didn't seem to be aggressive or making any moves to harm him, he didn't use it. He didn't even, you know, show it to him or anything from what I understand. So while they had him, they were feeding him. They were feeding him uh, sweet grass, which we've talked about before in some episodes of, you know, what's out there. Um, So it seems to be a common thing. Um, So apparently they had these uh, Sasquatch were basically washing it and stacking it. Um, And the adult female, the old lady we'll call her, was giving it to him, to feed him. And uh, so he he was with them, and he had made a bunch of observations, you know, as he um, was with them, you know, just watching them, watching the whole you know, daily progression, I guess, of what was going on and no telling what he was thinking. I can't imagine uh, probably thinking, how am I going to get out of here? Um, So he tried to befriend the young one. Uh, And so he was trying to get them interested in the snuff that he had. So he, he wanted to make the old, the male, the biggest one, eat this snuff and he was hoping it would kill him and so it's he uh as he he goes he uh he briefly entertained the idea uh, to take the young female with him when he fairly got away though he ultimately decided against it so his words were but what good would that have been? I would have had to keep her in a cage for public display. I don't think we have any right to force our way of life on other people, and I don't think they would like it. The noise and the racket in a modern city, they would not like any more than I do. So this guy lived in the woods. You know, this was not his first foray into the into the woods. Mm. But it, it's 
But what I always found interesting was his words. I don't think we have any right to force our way of life on other people. So he was thinking, right. he was thinking of them as people, mm-hmm. you know, not as some creature, but he's seen them as people. Just, I guess, mm-hmm. yes, exactly the way that, you know, they were taking care of their food, they were stacking it, they were washing it, you know. So about six days into this, um, he kind of felt like he was going to be used for possible breeding purposes, which cracks me up because he was an older dude. Um, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't old when, but, you know, he's still... Um, I'd love to see some old photos of him when he was young. Um, but, you know, that's just what he thought. And uh, he was able to make his escape. Um, he basically was able to carry out his plan that he had with this snuff, but it made the, the male groggy. And while he was groggy, he was able to make his escape. And so as he ran away and he eventually came upon uh, a logger, um, he didn't mention anything about Sasquatch or being held captive. He told this logger, he said, I'm a prospector and I was lost. I'm lost. Uh, I do not like to tell them I've been kidnapped by a Sasquatch as if I had told them. They'd probably have said he's crazy too. Um, and then he keeps him stores story for to himself for decades and he didn't want to really like 1924 to 1957 he held the story in and that's a long time to keep that quiet i would think well to to be fair there was a lot going on with around 1957 with some of the stuff coming out exactly so and you would probably be thought of like he said as crazy um, especially, you know, a guy that goes out in the woods by himself and, you know, and then he comes out with this story. I mean, people are just, especially at that time, are going to really think, dude, you're, you've lost your marbles, you know? Um, so it was in 57, as he sees all these other stories happening, and we know those stories, um, he decided to come forward and tell his story to a local newspaper. Um, and, of course... He talked to uh, John Green, actually interviewed him. And John Green had said when he went and, you know, John Green being a great researcher and a journalist is going to know the questions to ask, I would think. Pretty good if somebody's telling, you know, being truthful, honest, or, or fibbing, exaggerating. And he said that his story, he said, this guy is telling the truth. There's no reason in anything he said that I doubt what he's told me. And this is from, you know, a dude that I respect personally for the research he's done. And you can look at that, I guess, as at one point, at one point, John even took um, it was uh, Sanderson up there with him as well. And Sanderson got to meet um, uh, Albert at one point. Um, now it was never mentioned necessarily uh, by name, but he was, I think he was mentioned by, uh, I think it was either a zoologist or, um, biologist was taken to go meet him or maybe even it was, uh, it was him. And there was one other individual and I can't remember the other guy's name, but that guy was a primatologist that went and met, uh, all at the same time and talked to him there in, in kind of the later days of his life. And, uh, you know, they all believed him as well. Yeah. 
Well, the the one guy that didn't believe him, that was a big name, is John Napier. You know, he's a primatologist, and right. he claimed that the story was simply not possible because, you know, an entire family of of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it, would not have the resources to survive in that particular area. He said the food sources would be too limited. And see, I, based on what, you know, what we know about animals and, and, and certain, I mean, creatures like that, that's like saying a bear can't survive, but yet bear do survive in there. Well, well that, humans you know? can survive there. Humans yeah. like to impose limits upon things they don't understand. Exactly. Um, but it's interesting that, uh, you know, somebody that I respect that much, I mean, John Green, you know, says his, his story held up, you know? I mean, and he thinks because he didn't tell it, because he kept it so close to him, that that gives him some credence. Of course, you're going to get naysayers on the other side that say, oh, you know, no, it doesn't because he waited too long to tell it. But that's like, you know, that's kind of like Bob Gimlin in, in, in the sense. Because he had nothing to do with it for decades, you know. Yeah. We, yeah you yeah. don't believe him? He was there. You know, but you know how it is. They, they can't attack. They got to attack the person. They can't ever attack, you know, even if there is definite evidence, they can't attack that. They got to attack the people. So, and nobody wants to believe somebody's story that they didn't experience. But I always found that uh, his story just pretty wild and, you know, you know, very interesting. And, I mean, it's, he said he never knew anything about or heard of Sasquatch until, you know, that, until 1924. He said now, when he, when he went, the guy that he had hired had told him about the legend of Sasquatch, but he'd never heard about it until, you know, 1924. Okay. Which, you know, there's going to be people yeah. that say, you know, just the opposite of that, you know, oh, well, oh, he hears about it, and all of a sudden he has something happen. Well, well we've talked about that, too, you know, that... I think that it's the possibility that he hears about it and realizes it's okay to talk about this now because there's so many yes. of these these stories coming out now. And we see the same thing, don't we, with with UFOs, with with you know everything. Ghosts. How many people saw ghosts, and, and it was okay to see ghosts after it became a you know uh, a media sensation, phenomena. a pop culture phenomenon, like you call it. You know, with ghost hunters and all that. You know, no matter what you think of it, it actually did propel this whole, um, I guess, you know, paramedia. It just, it just launched it all. And pretty soon everyone's like, well, yeah, me too, me too, me too. And the hands go up and it's not saying that they didn't see it. It's just saying that it's okay. Maybe it's okay now to actually say that. I mean, you know, as well as I do, I didn't say squat about my sighting for what? 20 years. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, Albert Osman stuck to his story until death and he was interrogated like multiple times and never changed one bit of the detail ever. Yeah. And he was cross examined by the police. He signed a solemn declaration, um, you know, under the I guess the what's it called? The uh, Canadian Evidence Act, you okay. know, under oath. And he never recanted his story. 
despite all the ridicule he faced. And, I mean, you know, at some point, if somebody's telling the truth, they're going to get caught up in the details. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to just go, look, okay, I was, it was a game, you know, I was playing, right. sorry. I was, you know, it just sounded cool, you know. And we have seen that. Yeah. Multiple times. But uh, what's so crazy about the story is the fact that it, man, it just reeks of high strangeness to me. Just because, yeah. you know, this isn't your typical thing, right? I mean, we know that uh, most interactions with, with Sasquatch and, you know, uh, Bigfoot, call it whatever you want, uh, they just don't go like that. I mean, typically it's, uh, you know, you see something off in the distance, but nope, not these guys. These guys literally saw him and decided, yeah, we want to take one of those. I mean, (laughs) we're going to take this human burrito. That's something. No doubt. Yeah. It's like going shopping. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what could have, what could have made them do that? You know, that's, I think that's the question. Like what made them think, well, this one's different, you know? Or were they just fascinated by it? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they could have watched what, you know, different things he had in camp mm-hmm. and thought, man, we need to snatch him up and find out, you know, what all this stuff is. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, curiosity, you know how that is. It kills a Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but every creature is curious at some level. Yeah. So it's just an interesting story. It is an interesting story. I mean, there's it, no question it's an interesting story. And, and, of course, it's not far from, you know, another area that we, you know, can can kind of hit on real quick with Ape Canyon. Right. And, you know, we we all know the Ape Canyon incident. For those of you who, who aren't familiar with it, we're actually going to have Mark Marcel on, um, I believe, next week. Uh, that That's the goal. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. This is like the third time we're supposed to have him on. So he's, I think we're finally going to get it nailed in. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on Ape Canyon, but essentially there were prospectors who were up around Mount St. Helens, and one of them shot at one of these wild men, and that turned into a complete and total crap show for the rest of their night. So we're going to save all of that for Mark's interviews because he is the uh he, he is the go-to guy for ape canyon he knows more about ape canyon than anybody else so we're gonna hold off there yep. but in 1950 <laughs> we we do have jim carter now not jimmy carter but jim carter and he disappeared well, jim carter may May-, May- like peanuts too i like peanuts <laughs> <laughs> I like peanuts, but they don't like me. Oh. And uh, so okay. so he disappeared in 1950 in Ape Canyon at, uh, on Mount St. Helens. Yeah, March 27th. Now, yes. just to give you a little backstory, uh, Mount St. Helens, as everybody knows, erupted, what, March 27th, 1980? Um, and, I mean, this, this thing was one of the worst ones, you know, in North America that yeah. they, you know, in recent history so like shot ash up into the sky or like 15 miles high and covered like you know they had ash in 10 different states 57 people died yep. but before that is jim carter and yep. you know of course ape canyon which you know ape canyon that that was lost because of all of this 
So, like you said, with Jim Carter, I mean, this guy was 32 years old. Yeah, I mean, and he was an experienced mountaineer. So, like, he he was one of the tough guys up on the mountain. You know, he was a, gr- a great skier, a great mountain climber, a expert a member, navigator. Member of the National Ski Patrol. Wow. He was part of that. He worked at the, uh, every year he went to the, I think it was called the, was it Milwaukee Ski Bowl, where it was like the biggest ski, you know, happening around. Every year, that's where he would work. I mean, that's that's not just a guy that does it for fun, you know, here and there once a year. Yeah, this wasn't this just a weekend guy is what you're saying. This was a yeah, professional. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what was said of his account? is that he was up on uh, up above the group he was with, and he was taking pictures of the group as they would ski down into the timberline. No, no, no. No. They went up there together. He went down Yeah. to film them, as they, to take pictures as they were coming down. Yeah, he wanted to beat them and, and get the shot, right? Isn't that what right, the, yeah, yeah, he, what was? He was, as they skied down into the timberline, that's, mm-hmm. as he was getting shots of them as they skied down. So... But what happened? Everything went sideways because they said that he looked as if he was being pursued because he was skiing very erratically. He was making all of these really wild calls that nobody in their right mind would make, like jumping massive crevasses. These are, um, now, now I've been out into Glacier National Park and all that, and I've been up and around where Mount St. Helens is. Um, when, when they say large crevasse, the, these aren't like, you know, six feet wide or something that, you know, you, when you're going down a mountain at speed, you can easily clear a 20, 25 foot gap. So odds are these were probably between 18 to 25 feet wide that he was jumping and clearing going downhill off this glacier. So they were seeing him perform all of these erratic moves doing things that somebody who who was of his know-how would definitely never do because they were dangerous to begin with and then all of a sudden he disappeared and their exact words was that he looked like the devil going down the slope like he was frightened of something and they could tell that from the tracks they found yeah which were his ski tracks and the only thing they found was uh discarded Kodak uh, film box, but yeah, he. I mean, he. They said that he was. That's the only tracks that they apparently found, and that he, like you said, he had jumped two or three of those crevasses, and he, you know, obviously, if somebody like that, that's an expert, is heading down a hill that quick, you know, it's it's one and of two things. There's not an avalanche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's either an avalanche or. Well, it could be three things. He's racing somebody. Or the third thing is something's chasing him or scared the bejesus out of him. Yeah. And well, where did he end up, Joe? He was a complete disappearance. And it's an unsolved mystery to this day. But where was he last he had, seen? <laughs> he was last seen at Ape Canyon. Yeah. That is. But, a, but yeah, he was never found. Not Nothing complete, just poof, gone, disappeared. Uh, there were several very experienced research, or not research, but um, response groups that went out trying to find him, these uh, SAR teams. 
that were trying to find him could turn up nothing but, like you said, the Kodak reels. Mm -hmm. So the Seattle Mountain Search and Rescue Team that was comprised of, like the I guess the main guys was Doctors Bob Lee, Otto Trot, and uh, Lee Stark are the ones that you know headed this group up, and they went up there and looked for him. They found the tracks. They followed him. They followed him all the way to Ape Canyon, and they said that the tracks went down. He had went down these sheer face, you know, canyon walls, which nobody in their right mind would do that. I mean, unless they're trying to escape something. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's life or death, and you know, flight or fight kicks in, and you probably don't want to fight whatever's chasing you up there. Um, well, they a seventy-five person team looked for him for two weeks before the search was called off, and to this day, remains, equipment, clothing, nothing have been found. Now, wow. mind you, there was the eruption in nineteen eighty that could have mm -hmm. covered up any remains and buried it, but you would think they would find something after seventy-five. At you know, at different intervals, there was up to 75 people. It ain't like 75 people went out there every day. But you would think if they found where his tracks ended at, you know, at the canyon in Ape Creek, and they searched that extensively, you would find something. And right. I mean, this was well, well, well you're tracking before him in, Mount St. Helens. In, you're tracking him in snow. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to track in snow. Now, mind you, animals can come in and really muddy up any oh. kind of tracking ability, but you're still going to see stuff that is not um, native wildlife. And it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, especially uh, it, during while there's snow on. Now, mind you, they were fighting a losing battle because it was May. So normally by mid-June, the snow in that area has all gone off. Mm -hmm. So trying to, but then if they'd have searched again in June, uh, as, as everything was starting to come to life, you know, you still would have seen any kind of bright collared jacket or pants. Uh, like, cause mm -hmm. back then a lot of your ski gear, especially if you were on a, um, rescue team, you wore like bright red. Mm-hmm. So it would have that would have stuck out. Now I don't know what collars he was wearing when he disappeared, but based off what he was doing, I would assume red, just because that has been the go-to collar for all of those guys forever. It stands out, yeah, like you said. But let me just tell you a little bit about Bob Lee, who was one of the the top you know rescue unit guys. Um, he was a very experienced Portland mountaineer. His credentials include he was a member of the exclusive Worldwide Alpine Club and the leader of the 1961 Himalayan expedition for the Yeti, right? Huh. And advisor to the 1963 American expedition. So this guy was no faint of heart, you know, guy in, in the mountains either, especially in snow. You know, this, that's, that was his playground. Yeah, he was so, Mr. Hardcore. Yeah. So what what I find wild is that he said, the same guy, Bob Lee, said that every time he got cut off from the rest of the searchers during the long search, he got that feeling that somebody or something was watching him. 
and there was something strange on the high slopes of the mountain. He described the search as the most eerie experience he's ever had. He could feel the hair. He's, he says this, quote, the most eerie experience I ever had. I could feel the hair on my neck standing up. It was eerie. I was unarmed except for my ice axe. And believe me, I never let go of that, unquote. He said, we combed the canyon one into the other for five days. Sometimes there were as many as 75 persons in the search party, but no sign of Carter or, or his equipment was ever found except for that Kodak box. And after two weeks, they called it off. Wow. So and and what, what did they say, Joe? Joe, do you remember what they said? One of the things that they said that they finally just was like, um, it looks like the mountain devils got him. Yeah, that was that was one of the uh, the the things that a lot of people in the search party and locals were saying was that the mountain devils got him. Wow. Um, I mean, this was uh, Ape Canyon was named Ape Canyon for a reason, right? You know, it, it had a history. So it, it is very possible that his disappearance and his never being found could have been related to that. It's speculation, of course, but. It, it does line up with a lot of other incidents that took place right there along Mount St. Helens. Now, there is another disappearance that we have talked about briefly here on the show, and it is another unsolved mystery, and that is the disappearance of Dennis Martin. Mm-hmm. And this one took place in uh, 1969 oh, yeah. in the Great, uh, in the great the Smoky country. Mountains. <laughs> the other what side of the country. I said the other side yeah. of the country. Complete other side of the country. We went. We're going from uh, like Washington State to Tennessee. So here we are in the Great Smoky Mountains. This boy was six years old, and he disappeared. And, and we we won't cover this in depth because again, we've got this one. You can go back and listen to uh, the the chat that we had about the Dennis Martin case. Um, way back, we can tag the episode on on Facebook, but and it's a um, good one. It is a good one, and this is another tragic story of someone who went missing and was never found. And this was somewhere that their family went all the time. It was along the Appalachian Trail, and he went missing. They were out playing games. He went missing the- literally within sight, though, right? I mean, yeah, he was he within was- sight. That was the thing. Went behind a bush yeah. and never came back out. Later, he never came out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And yeah, the only thing that was ever found from him was wasn't it like a shoe or something that they shoe found? Shoe and a sock were found three days into the search, but yeah. they said, and it was like a ways away, right? So some Boy Scouts that were helping in the search, and this oh yeah, several in- miles away up here. Yeah. This this search included a tons of people. Um, including the Green Berets. The Green Berets and the, the FBI were even present. 1,400 searchers. Yeah, it's like the largest one in, you know, in the history of the Smoky Mountains or, you know, maybe even the country at the time. That's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. And this poor kid just disappeared. Well, they said yeah. that they found some remains, what was it, uh, later, but the guy didn't come forward and 
Uh, he was illegally yeah, collecting yeah, yeah. ginseng, was, right? Mm-hmm. It was somebody no, yeah. who was out there doing some uh, illegal hunting because it was in a national forest. Yeah. And you can't collect ginseng there. And um, he he found some remains, but he didn't come come forward until the 80s. Yeah, it's 1985, he was afraid, yeah. He, yeah, because he was afraid that he was going to get blamed for the kid's death and taken to jail. And just arrested for the ginseng part, Oh, too, probably, you know? yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to mention that part. Yeah, right. but you know that one's that one's wild. If you if you pay attention to that story, and you need to go back and listen to it if you haven't, um, you know we go a little like Joe said a little more in depth on that one. And uh, I mean, some of the stuff is just mind blowing about that whole case. It's one of those cases that stuck with me when I first read it, and I can't get it out of my head. You know, you just feel for this family. You feel for the the little boy. And just, you don't know what he went through, you know? I mean, you don't ever know what happened to this little kid who had his whole life in front of him, and he's gone. Like well, that. And and the crazy thing was, the reason why a lot of people speculate that this could have been a wild man abduction or a Bigfoot abduction is because there was another family over in another uh, part of the mountain, like uh, this next ridge over, next valley over, that saw... A uh, a big hairy creature with some uh, like a kid over its shoulder running up the running up the hill, mm-hmm. and and that was the only uh, that was the last possible sighting of Dennis Martin before he completely disappeared. Was it a creature though, or was it just you know some squatter out there living in the woods? They said it could have well, been a moonshiner or yeah. you know, yep. anything, but what what the It's dangerous out you know? there. I mean, yeah, there's some crazy people on the Appalachian Trail, by the way. Oh yeah, there there are. There's a lot of people who basically go feral and they live out on the Appalachian Trail. But now a moonshiner coming from a family who who makes moonshine, we're not crazy folk. No, we're not just going to run out and be like, oh, there's a yeah. six year old kid near my steel. I'm going to go steal him. Yeah, you know that's not. That's not anything that runs through their mind, even if it's like on a uh, like some kind of hidden hooch area where you don't want anybody coming in trying to find your stuff. You're just going to like go scare the kid, but like, get away. Right. But yeah. And, like, you know, well, but they they talked about under right? they talked about the underfed bears that were, you know, struggling to find food and, you know, bait, blah, 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 blah. But there was never any blood found. There's there any torn, you know, clothing found. I mean. I dismissed the bear thing, and that may be my fault. I mean, that may just, you know, be my yeah, I don't think it was a lack bear. of knowledge. But I think if a bear snatches a kid, you first of all, you're going to hear the kid scream. Well, oh, al- yeah. allegedly, they did hear loud screams when he disappeared. That's what one of the... Well, now, uh, that was, that the, was from that one group, though, that saw him. That wasn't from his father. And no, that no, that was, that was from uh, Harold Keith. It was a visitor. Yeah, that was, those were the people that saw the yeah. hairy thing, hairy person, man. whatever thing, carrying yeah. someone. Yeah. Carrying, the, carrying a kid over his shoulder. They're well, the ones that heard the screams. Yeah. And they said they thought they'd seen a bear, like the other, you know, two of the kids mm-hmm. see, that were in that family, off to, you know, that were, what, a mile away or whatever, or yeah. 100 yards away, in the next valley or whatever. They had said that they seen uh, the kid said, "Oh, there's a bear over there," and the dad said, "That's not a bear," hmm. or something like that. And it was squatted down behind a bush. And then 
you know, he got his kids basically, you know, come, come over here. And, you know, the thing took off. He said, but it didn't look like a bear to him. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, put into that what you will, but this is this, you know. Sure. And what he's saying. I mean, he was there, not me. Right. But yeah, that's, that's a strange, strange story. Um, like I said, if you want to listen to that, like Joe said, you know, he can tag it and it'll be, you can follow it along. And, but if you haven't heard of that story or haven't looked into it, look into it. Oh my goodness. It makes you, when you go out into the woods, want to hold your kids a little closer. Yeah. You don't, you definitely don't want to let your kids out of, out of your sight when you're, when you're in some of these areas, there's, there's just no question about that. There's just... Or even adults. I mean, no. I always say this. No, you always you stay should, together. Yeah. You should never, ever, and this is just me. I always had the belief you should never wander off in the woods by yourself because mm-hmm. anything could happen. Yeah. You fall and get hurt. You know, you could get lost. There's a lot of things that can happen. Thing, you know, you know, there's things out in the woods that obviously that, you know, don't care and will take you in a minute. Yep. yep. Exactly. It, Large cats. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. But, yeah, that's a there. That's a, another story that you know, like you said, you can go back and check that out. Um, look into some of these stories on your own. But isn't there a isn't there another one that was California or somewhere that was claimed to be? Yeah, yeah. They um, now this one's kind of weird to me. Like when I when I read this one, um, they they blame it on Bigfoot. But if you ask me, this is like a I took her out in the woods and killed her and you're never going to see her again kind of thing. Yeah. That's what I kind <laughs> so, of get out of it. So, um, yeah. which, which a lot of these very well that uh, when you start going through yeah. some of these, um, accounts mm-hmm. that do get blamed on Bigfoot, the reason I wanted to hit this one is because they're not all going to be Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. Some of them scream. Murder. Play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This one is at a prime example. We had a, this was, this took place in uh, 1987. There's a 16 year old girl named Teresa Ann Bear, and she was with a man named Russell Welch. He's oh, 43. He? Yeah, Jesus. So, 16 I mean, year old girl. And not related to her. Not, not a family member not, or anything. Nope. Nope. Now, they were out and uh, they were in California in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Um, so if you're familiar with that, that's kind of like Yosemite Valley and, uh, then you've got the Sierra Nevada mountains and, and all that, that whole range right in there. So they were, they were up in the mountains, but just to give you an idea of the topography, big, steep granite mountains, uh, lots of trees, very dense forest. Now, um, they they said, or well, I'll take that back. He said that they encountered a Bigfoot and that Teresa chased after the creature and then he never saw her again. Mm. Much, much like myself, the authorities didn't believe Welch. So they launched a massive SAR where they went out and they they went through the whole area where they were camping and did a big spread out. She'd vanished. But wasn't she into Bigfoot? Like, didn't she have a curiosity about Bigfoot? Or She did. She did. So this is one of those things where, like, you know, she had told her friends, and her friends corroborated this, that she was planning to skip school and go search for Bigfoot. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, again, you have a 43-year-old man telling a 16-year-old girl who's got an interest in Bigfoot in this Sierra Nevada mountains saying, hey, want to go look for Bigfoot? I got and some candy in my truck. I got some candy yeah, over here in my truck. I got Bigfoot in the van. Yeah. But yeah. didn't he tell the... Right? Uh, the because wasn't she a, a foster child? Yes. Um, and the the person that was, I guess, her father, or the foster father or whatever, um, didn't this Welsh guy tell him that he was going to take her to school? Because they were good friends. He was a fa- friend of the family. He was a friend of the family. But that's how a lot of these disappearance and murders mm-hmm. go. Yep. Is, oh, I'm going to take so-and-so out to the woods who's, you know, the opposite sex for me and very much younger. And we're going to go look for Bigfoot. And Welch, wink, had, wink. Welch had said he was a student of Bigfoot. And also he had allegedly had an encounter earlier in his life. Yes. And but again, this goes into one of those things where you never, never should go big footing with people you don't know. Um, in small numbers situations. Well, the thing it is, should... is, is Joe, I mean, I, to me, this sounds completely like you said, it sounds like he took her out there with ill intention and he knew her interest and he knew that he could pique her interest with this Bigfoot talk. And I'm a student, you know, I know all about it. I had an experience myself. So he just captured her naivety you know, yep. with that. And boy, you know, she... There's, there's a really good chance that they never even went to the Sierra Nevadas to go camping. It didn't make it that far. Complete almost put money on manipulation oh, yeah. of the event. And this is, this is like I was saying... She may have is, ended up in the Sierra Nevadas. Could, could have. <laughs> um this is one of those things where, you know, we got to send the red flag up the pole and say, this was probably murder. But again, this the authorities is didn't think so though, we, did they? The authorities were kind of, they, were they thought so, but they just, say, it was nothing to, there wasn't anything to pin. Welch. Yeah. So like, you know, there, they didn't have a body. Have, yeah. yeah. Without a body, without any evidence, got nothing. But what do you do? Yeah. So, so, yeah, he, he initially claimed that, that she ran away from him on June 1st. Then he changed his story, and he eventually uh, told the police that she had been forcibly taken by a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. But he could give no, you know, nothing about the Big... You know what I mean? Yeah, other than saying that she was forcibly taken by a Bigfoot. That was about as far as it went. Yeah, so they charged him. Now... This goes to be a prime example of why you don't go out into the woods with people you barely know, why you don't go out into the woods with people you barely know in small numbers. Yes. You always go with people you trust and you always go with more than just you and another individual that you might have only met once or twice. And you tell people where you're going. Yes. You You tell everybody where you're going. And who you're going with. Yep. You make sure that people yep. know who you're meeting, that people know where you're going, because the world is a dark and twisted place, and you do not want to wind up buried in one of these deep hollers. 
going to go out doing paranormal research with somebody that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same only thing. To find out, only to find out that paranormal researchers might be coming to look for you later. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's very true. And that is a, a good warning. I mean, it really is because you see a lot of this. I mean, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, we like to hunt for ghosts. Uh, meet us at this creepy, abandoned, broken down old mansion. I mean, at what? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? And you, since I haven't said it up to this point, exactly. Absolutely. absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. It's like, seriously? I mean, you, you know, so no, you definitely want to check credentials. Make sure, you know, who in the world you're out there with uh, so, during these things. So, Ron, they they charged him with child stealing. And so in 1987, September 1987, three days before he was supposed to go to trial, sounds like somebody's home, um, authorities dropped the charge before, right, three days before he was going to trial. They offered to recommend a one-year sentence if Welch signed a waiver allowing them to go forward with murder charges if Teresa's body was located, but Welch refused. So the prosecution decided to drop the case to avoid double jeopardy if they wanted to charge him with murder later. Okay, I got you. And since then, nothing. So they're waiting to find a body. They suspect foul play. Yeah, they're just waiting to find a body. But yeah, so it still remains unsolved up to this point. I'm like you, Joe. This is completely, and I mean, I could see this, you know, as a movie of the week. Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely is. They just don't have a body, so there's nothing they could do about it. Sad, sad. You can't find the body because the body's not where he said it was. Right. They probably never went to the Sierra Nevadas. He probably went out there and just set up a bogus camp and said, this is where we were. Because the dogs never could even get, like, a location in the camp. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. Wow. No hit, no nothing. Nothing. So odds are they never even went to the Sierra Nevadas. It, It was just Bigfooting gone wrong. And uh, it turned into a murder and God knows what else. And and folks, this isn't, these aren't all the cases. There's tons of them. I mean, there are just a plethora of cases like this. Where people just disappear, right? Yes. And I mean, Mm -hmm. if you are interested in that, you know, go read Missing 411. You know, read any of those. And those are documented cases. And it will change your whole perspective of, you know, and make you a little, I guess it will probably, like it did me after I read them, it makes me a little more alert in the woods. Mm, yeah. 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 I think you Which should always. what you should be anyway. You should be very but, alert in the woods. You never know what's going to happen for, out there. But what we, like what we are, like what I used to be, and probably still am, and there's no probably to it. You know, like snakes and stuff like that. You know, I'd always be alert for that kind of thing or, you know, large animals. But you don't think about other people that you see out in the woods. Mm -hmm. Interdimensional portals. Yeah. Bright lights, you know. I actually do think about those things, but (laughs) I'm strange like that. But no, for real. (laughs) um, You know, that brings up the other thing, doesn't it? I mean, we, we could be dealing with something like that. We don't know. Yeah. I like the I like the it's weird the place that they uh did search one of the you know repeatedly was called and this seems so awful you know my obviously my condolences to the 
you know, family and loved ones of, of this young lady, but the, they were searching around Shut-Eye Peak. Wow. Isn't it always weird that they have a name like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of, now, of Valley of the Screaming, you know, yeah. <laughs> Gorge of Death. Yeah. yeah. It's just like... So, Slaughter so Canyon. A, yeah, who names these? On a lighter note, there's a lighter note to this? There's a there's Cause, a Because this has been the darkest the episode side. that we've done this ever. A, this has been a dark episode, but that's why I wanted to save this one to last. Because <laughs> it, it was, this is the light note oh, and okay. the silver lining and all of uh-huh. this. It, those of you might remember back in 2019, there was a three-year-old little boy who went missing for four days. Real recently. Yeah, I remember this. And this was in North Carolina. In yeah. January, we pinned this actually on our uh, group page we, before everybody ran with page. it, right? And yeah, it, we actually grabbed a hold of it before everybody else really ran with it, um, yeah. which was really funny because there were these other big groups that were sharing our page and uh, from where we had placed it up there. Because I read the initial report, and we just shared it because we're we're in Appalachia, and a little kid went missing, and you know it was one of those things like, hey, look, if you guys see this kid keep your eyes out well then this story quickly started moving and they found him four days later and we we shared that and said bigfoot question mark yeah that's exactly right because i remember us having that much like the kid in the background here it's (laughs) i I remember us having that that conversation we we were actually like a bear really right so go ahead and tell the story for everybody who don't know it's january the 28th when he was found. It's 38 to 40 degrees outside the entire week. He disappeared on a Tuesday, showed up uh, late, late on a Thursday uh, as the sun was going down. And he was found yelling for his mom about a quarter mile away from his house. And he was 50 yards in like deep into the woods, soaking wet, freezing cold, tangled in a thorn bush. Rescuers had to wade through waist-deep water just to even get to the kid, okay? Now, when he starts telling his story is when things get wild and weird, y'all. Well, Joe, <laughs> Joe, isn't, isn't it so weird? Because even like the Dennis Martin case, there's always seems to be some kind of water involved. Yeah, well, the bad there was bad weather all around that week. Yeah, but I'm oh, just it was saying terrible it always weather. seems, you know, to be like they found, you know, in other cases they found like, you know, when they have recovered a, a little child or something, they're sitting in a, on a rock in the middle of a, a raging river or something. Right, yeah, they're in some random obscure place. Yeah, and it's like... Again, this kid, random obscure place. He was like half a mile away, quarter mile away deep into the woods across this big marshy wetland places where they had looked previously. Oh yeah. They had looked previously here multiple times. Like this is, they'd passed through multiple times. Now what the boy says, whenever the uh, authorities start asking him questions, he says that he hung out for, with a bear for two days and the bear kept him warm and fed. And he was his friend. And it was his friend. Yeah, I think the boy said uh, God sent him a friend to keep him safe. Oh, is yeah, that the story? The boy said that, 
Yep. Boy said God sent him a friend to keep him safe. Wow. And he said it was a bear. Now, like, I know former minister here, Daniel in the lion's den. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But it's way more likely that this kid stumbled upon a merciful squatch, in my opinion, that that kind of was like, what are you doing out here, little naked ape boy? <laughs> so not like the Zunakwa. You're not... But no, a friend no, of the it, forest. <laughs> yeah, this is this was friend of the forest, which it, in this part of the country, that's part of the country, it. that's yeah, that's what we had. Yeah, this part much. of the country was where we had elder brother and yep. you know the other tribe, and everything was kind of kosher. And so, so anyway, yeah, they were blown away that he was saying he was taken care of by a bear, and then you know he the bear left him there in the the. Uh, thorn bush just tangled up. I'll tell you what, guys, this story is going to be one of those things that you hear, you know, 25 years later when, when he comes out yeah. and actually tells the story. And when he tells the story, it's going to be the equivalent of Roswell. I think so, because I really want to hear what this kid says when he's like 15. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah it, I want to know where he at the time. I mean, good Lord. No, well, he, yeah, he's only five now. Yeah. Yeah. But he's going to remember this, you know? He's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, I want to know here in like 15 years. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing story. Write a story. book, young man. Write a book. It's going to be an amazing story. I mean, he's he has... He was a bear. I want to know. Right now, oh, yes. he has a career. He doesn't even know it, and he has a career. All he has to do is write the book, and he he's going to be on the circuit. Yeah, absolutely. Just like that. Oh yeah, but it's uh, it's definitely a fascinating story. I remember it very well when it did happen, like you said, and and then we caught it, and and uh, it, when we heard it was the bears, like you know, I remember both of us came to the same conclusion at the time, like that yep. was no bear, you know, and uh, which is amazing to me because two years ago when I first met Ron, I don't know that he was like, you know, like he said before, he wasn't much into the Bigfoot phenomena are but i knew it existed and i knew yeah. what it was capable of so exactly but you know. it, it's mm. <laughs> it's just it's funny that two years ago you went oh yeah no you dismissed it yeah. that quickly because you're smart enough to understand that more than likely it wasn't a bear more than likely Although, yeah you know kids have been raised by wolves right well my first thought was he was abducted by aliens <laughs> now, you laugh but i'm serious uh, my first thought was he's abducted by aliens, right? And then, you know... I'm, Gris Loria? Are we back to yeah, Gris Loria well, now? Well, nah, then I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> when I hear the bear thing, I'm thinking, well, that's... That is, that's got to be a Sasquatch. That's, that's, not, that's not aliens, you know. Uh, and unless it was some kind of screen memory, which I don't think it was, um... It falls. It doesn't fall into that. It doesn't fall into the category at all. There's there's no other signs. Um, he's he's obviously got missing time, but he can account for that time. He was with the bear that God sent him. He's a bear friend. Right. So uh, that's completely different than any ab alien abduction or what have you. Which uh, kicks into my theory that you know, hey, some of these things could have been inhabited by supernatural powers. Hey, you not, never know. Not necessarily, you know, aliens. But, you know, it's all yeah. the same, kind of, maybe. <laughs> but, um, no, um, I think that it's possible that he was definitely taken in by, uh, I, I, I want to say this, and, and because 
it makes more sense to me. Uh, probably a female Sasquatch. Um, and she may be very familiar with little crying children because or she may have. What if it was a young one? It could have been that too. But this is the whole yep. thing is what I'm saying is in, in that culture, in, in that culture, I'm, I'm having this feeling that, um, you know, there's that maternal instinct probably. And, mm -hmm. uh, if they're curious, you know, if that kid was out there by himself, you know, they could have seen that. And, and honestly, that could have been a maternal instinct. Uh, they're not dumb. These things are not dumb. Whatever they are, they are absolutely not dumb. So if they saw this kid abandoned, you know, well, there's two things that could have happened. A, uh, I want one or B, <laughs> you know, or, or B, uh, those stupid, stupid flesh things over there. They just left their little one running around and, you know, I'll, I'll take care of that again. Maternal instinct. Um, I think that that's yeah, kind of what was, it was. He was in the he was in the backyard with yeah. his two brothers. Now two the biggest boys. the biggest thing the biggest thing that gets me is this: Why did it bring him back? Did it bring him back because he, he shut up? Possible. It could be. You know, it might be one of those stories. You know that he'll he'll get to tell and be like, well, you know, actually, you I know. cried every day, day and night for twenty four seven, and this thing said, oh my god. Yeah. Right. I'm taking you back. This I'm is done. not what I signed up for. We've all we've all teased kids and said, you know, oh, they bring you if back. anybody takes you, they're bringing you back. Well, he's he's got <laughs> proof. They did. It's all over the news yeah. and, and papers. Lucky and, him. But he did get brought back, didn't he? But yeah, it makes me wonder why they brought him back. You know, moral of the story, folks: cry a lot. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> or, works. Or carry snuff with you. One of the two. One of the two One is going to work, possibly. But, but see, it can't be like this modern snuff. You got to find like old turn of the century snuff because mm. that stuff's like high octane. Yeah. Yeah. Modern yes. snuff ain't going to do the trick. Uh -huh. Well, I'll just give him a cigar. Yeah, there you go. Or bourbon. I'm sure I'll have one of the two on me. Or both. But it's going to be a party for Bigfoot. So he's probably going to be looking for you. <laughs> My luck, they'll just kill me at the end Instead of him it. Looking, go, you know, you're looking you know, for him. He's going to be looking for you. Let's just take his stuff and <laughs> do away with him. He's annoying the shit out of us. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he's a smart ass. He keeps trying to sign everything. <laughs> you know, I can see this happening. No. Well, we rip his arms off. He'll stop. He yeah. signed our wood. He signed our cave wall. He, he signed the bottom of our foot. <laughs> we don't want it anymore. Take this thing back. Throw it over there in the briar bush where you left that kid. Okay. But uh, <laughs> he was signing with the stick in the dirt. Oh man! But <laughs> but no, guys. I mean, I I find that story fascinating. And it's yeah, a great. Yeah, it's a great story. It is a great story. And uh, I, like I said, I remember when it happened. It was like wow. And before it was found, you know, it was all over the news. They, if, you can still find the video, I think, of it uh, when they were oh, yeah. going out to look for him. And it's it's pretty dire. You're thinking, well, yeah, this kid's going yeah, he's gone. You know, this ain't going to happen. This ain't going to turn out good. Big storms coming in. They were talking about how the weather was dropping. Uh, they had to find him, you know, within the next, that night or whatever. He was yeah, going to freeze to because it, it would have been his second night at hypothermic temperatures. Yeah. And, you know, they were pretty much getting ready to give up hope on this. And then, boom, there he is. You know, friend bear brought him. So, 
what a heck of a story. Just an amazing story. And uh, I like that one. That makes me think a little bit. You know, if they are what they are, then they are seriously intelligent creatures. And uh, so, and it's a so, whole lot less murdery than the other ones so, we went. So we started yep. with a with a story that the guy gets away. Yep. And we ended with the story that the kids brought back, so he gets away. Yeah. And in between there is a lot of darkness. There is some darkness <laughs> in there. I mean, yeah. It's Things not so you know well. ripping arms off and stuffing people in trees, but it is some darkness. You're correct. Yes. <laughs> but I am trying to get that scout on our show one day. So yeah. that'll be a fun one. Yeah. More darkness. Um, oh yeah. It'll be very, that, that, Oh, that episode will be gruesome, yeah. but, um, but well, yeah. It's sides so, that people don't know, Joe. And, uh, I think it's why it's important. You know, when you guys suggested to do this story, I was pretty much like, yep, let's do it. Because, um, People think, you know, hey, Bigfoot's this big happy creature that just either hides behind trees and shows up Forest in red man. circles. Or, you know, he's, um, yeah, like you said, exactly. I mean. Yeah, he's our friend. He's our friend. That uh, drives me crazy. When Let's go people... leave him some stuff and he'll leave us yeah. some oh, stuff. And Don't get me started on gifting. Maybe he'll talk to us in our mind. You know, I don't know. Maybe he does. I don't know. I don't care, really. I, I, Honestly, I don't care. Gifting. I see gifting this way, and this is a whole other episode. But if if you gifting a Bigfoot is like you know feeding a bear, boy, you got that right, isn't it? That's you the way I look at it. Can you imagine I mean, that? You, that, I, that, you know that what? Is the biggest understatement ever. It is like feeding a cat. That's <laughs> yeah. what it's like. Because if you mess up, boy, are you going to hear from it? And can you imagine if if you just forget to give Bigfoot his nightly apple. I mean, you've got him trained at this point, right? Yeah, he's going to peek yeah. in your window. He's going to figure out. On your wall. Exactly. And he might just beat down the walls. I don't know. Pick up your car. Just seems unearth like a, a tree. Right. You started this is what we're saying. So yeah. it's not that yeah. we don't believe in it. It's that, oh, it's definitely possible. But if you want to do that, that's on you. And uh, just be yeah. aware that animals... Uh, they they get used to things, and big yes. ones, <laughs> they'll let you know if you breach that contract. Well, well, think of think of it the <laughs> oh, same yeah. way with humans. You know, if you're giving a human money all the time, then you stop that. What happens? Y- yeah, they come up with baseball bats and they break your legs. Exactly, yeah. absolutely. Well, that's I agree. the mafia. <laughs> that's the mafia, but that's a whole different thing. I mean, yeah, you might end up in a Is it though? I mean, no, it's the same thing. Exactly. Is it though? It's yeah. the same thing. Well, maybe not. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure well, it's guys, the same that's, thing. That's going to wrap us up on this week's episode, I think. Um, and and Ron, you were dead on right. This is one of those things we definitely needed to cover to uh, to kind of get it out there because a lot of people just, for whatever reason, ignore these parts of the story. I think the last two weeks we've covered abduction bad. There, is there a good abduction? What? Abduction bad. That's a day for a new, yeah. new time. Yeah, that's that is what the general consensus is. Abduction bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, the pros and cons. There are no pros. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There may be some people that are really skilled at it, but we're not calling them pros. <laughs> we call them serial killers. Yeah. Or aliens. So Go ahead. Yeah. So before we, oh gosh, 
before we sign off for the week, there is a couple people that we want to mention on the show. Uh, one is an official sponsor and has been on multiple occasions for uh, other projects that we've done. And that is Mr. Glenn Adkins over at the Ohio Squatch Project. He is the maker of the original, the one, the only Squatch Stick. Fantastic, fantastic guy. Fantastic person. Yeah. And he, he's a friend of mine, and he goes above and beyond almost every time to help us out. Or me and personally, he's, he's helped out. And that's that's another guy we're trying to get on the show to to kind of get out there for you all to meet, also because he really he really is a great guy. He's a um, researcher. Yeah, and he's a researcher, so we're gonna talk about all kinds of stuff. But he he is the one that made the squatch sticks that you see on Finding Bigfoot, that you see all these other people carrying around, hitting hitting trees with, and all that. I have one. And I've got a couple. We gave and, one away. Uh, yeah, we've given two away. Yeah, two. Sorry. And um, we've got a third one that's all signed up that will be given away at Wild and Weird Con. Wild and Weird Con! Coming, coming, soon, soon, soon! Wild and Weird, Wild and Weird, Wild and Weird, Wild and Weird, El Wildo, El Weirdo. So you guys go check out, go check out Ohio'sSquatchProject.com. Tell Glenn we sent you. He'll know us by the West Virginia boys or that jerk Wayne, either one you want to use. Yeah. Oh, he'll, he'll know. know yeah. That, that will get you right in when you say that jerk Wayne. He'll be like, I'm yeah. sorry, you know him. <laughs> yeah. So the other the other group we want to mention to you guys, uh, they gave us their book that they recently released called the Bigfoot Atlas or Bigfoot Road Atlas, I believe. And um, that was written by Zach Bells. He is the curator of the International Paranormal Museum and Research Center out there in Somerset, Kentucky. So go check them out. They are open now officially for business. Uh, you can go back in the museum, check them out. Let them know that Wild and Weird sent you. And um, then, of course, if you guys haven't had a sighting, you've been abducted by Bigfoot and you want to tell us about it, you can head over to wildandweirdwv.com, click the contact list. It's going to bring up a sighting report. You can fill that out and send it there. Or you can contact us at wildandweirdwv at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, to help keep it free for eons and eons and eons and eons. Or help us get a... Fleer. A fleer. 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 A three fleers. Three fleers. Three fleers. <laughs> yeah, let's be greedy. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, we're going to go for it. Why we're not? Go for it. Listen, you start a high. There's Stand three of us. Fleers. Okay. So, so if you guys want to help donate and give us a fleer, we actually have a way that you can do that. You can go to our shop and you can get mm. something in return. Put an earmark on it and say, I want to help you guys get a fleer and then go buy something from our shop put that in the messages we know where it comes from we'll put that in the FLIR fund you get something in return it's like a kickstarter but better because you get and wayne's you'll autograph get, right you get a wayne's you get autograph. A circled ron squatch in the woods <laughs> <laughs> red circle by ten glossy <laughs> signed by wayne lastly but not least <laughs> if you want to catch up on all of our backlog of episodes we have over a year now that you can go and peruse through and listen at your leisure 
at wildandweirdwv.com. Hit the podcast link, and it's going to bring them all up. It's going to be right in front of your face. You can listen right there from your computer and navigate away from the page if you want, and it's still going to play. Or you can find us anywhere that podcasts are found. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> so Scandinavian, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. So subscribe to us. That way, every Monday, you will get that fresh episode loaded into your queue, ready to listen to on your way to work or you know, while you're sitting and way in your cubicle, listening to all the weird stuff, you can tune into us and hang out. So, until next time, stay wild and weird, everybody. Hey guys, uh, just wanted you to know that uh, if you at Wild and Weird Con or at any event that you see me, if you want to buy me your foot signed or a snuff can signed or cigar signed or anything like that, oh my god, uh, I, I want to give you a deal. So. Uh, Two, it's $25.